There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. engine light on take the guesswork out of your check engine light with o'reilly veriscan it's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASC certified master technicians and if you need help we can recommend a shop for you ask for o'reilly veriscan today oh, 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 O'Reilly. auto parts Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 371. And we are back for another edition of our Rut Fresh Radio mini-series, in which we are hearing from hunters all across the country about the latest deer activity weather conditions, and behavioral changes that are going to impact your upcoming deer hunts. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. Today we are back for our second episode of our Rut Fresh Radio mini-series. This is something we do every fall. If you're not familiar, here's the very quick synopsis. We are going to check in with you every week with updates from four or five deer hunters from across the country giving us the latest on deer activity, deer behavior, how current conditions are impacting things, and what tactics are working for them. And we're getting these updates every six, seven days. So it's really fresh, very timely and relevant to help you with your very next hunts. So that's what we're going to try to do today. With me to do that is Spencer Newharth. Uh, Spencer, I don't know if you knew this, but Tony Peterson and I were together about a month ago on the back 40 over here in Michigan. Okay. And we actually named a buck after you. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Yeah. So, uh, we found a buck that had a really nice mainframe eight left side, but then he had this very strange other side of him that, you know, if you weren't paying attention you never know that this other side of the buck which is just like a funky fork with weird points coming off the tip of his g2 you'd never know that the other side the behind the scenes side of this buck is that he hangs out in a hot tub all the time and he's got a weird thing for bobcats and turkeys and and that kind of stuff so tony decided we should call that one spencer (laughs) so your ears might have been ringing in august I like it. I, I like it a lot. How is this a, a regular buck, a buck that you would shoot, a buck that you're excited about the future for? Uh, t- tell me more about him. He's uh, a nice buck. He's he's at least three years old. 
Um, so I think we would, I think we'd take a crack at him. Um, and he seems to be there a decent bit. We got a good number of summer pictures of him. Now, of course, I don't know what's going on now that it's September things shift around. So he might be gone, but, uh, he was there a lot in August. So I'm hoping he'll be around and we'll get a crack at you. Um, but that, I don't know, that randomly popped in my head, Spencer. <laughs> what I, what I really wanted to ask you about though, was, uh, you know, since we're trying to talk about the timeliness of this information, how this stuff can be useful for upcoming hunts. I know last week you and I had talked and you were just about to head to South Dakota and we had heard from a bunch of hunters all over the place and heard about what was working for them. And I was just curious if anything you heard from our guests last week helped you on your South Dakota hunt that you just wrapped up. Yes. So on last week's episode and in this week's episode, almost all of our guests talked about soybeans. Um, and there's like this conventional deer hunting wisdom that I think is kind of accurate, but also sort of inaccurate. And it's that deer don't like yellow soybeans. I think that's oversimplified. And the reality is that it's not that deer dislike yellow soybeans. Um, it's just that this time of year, when you have yellow soybeans start to show up in fields, you also have the first acorns hitting the ground. Uh, you have apples dropping, persimmons. Um, and then you have this other agriculture where there's like hay fields and alfalfa and all those kinds of things. And so I think it's more so that deer don't dislike yellow soybeans. It's that they like some of the other things that are available now as well. And so on my hunt back in South Dakota, the soybeans had turned yellow, um, and the neighboring property had a green hay field and there were always like three or four times more deer hitting that green hay field than they were the yellow soybeans. I say this to say to our listeners that if you have yellow soybeans and that's the only thing around, uh, then you shouldn't be too disappointed. The deer are probably going to keep using it. But if you have yellow soybeans and there's a bunch of other really good food sources available and it's just a buffet of green things and uh, fruit and, and nuts in the woods, then you might not see a lot of action. And so you're going to hear a lot about soybeans on this episode, probably the next episode, and the last episode. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. I've been watching some bean fields myself here in Michigan and seeing the same thing, that the deer are not focusing on the beans as much, right? They're mostly yellow. But this is another thing we talked about last year, or one of these years, was the fact that even when you've got those bean fields turning, and they're turning yellow and they're drying down, there's still little pockets in there where there are green beans still, right? There's those, not the beans, it's the leaves that they're feeding on right now. So... Even if most of the field looks less than desirable, you'll still still get some deer in there hitting little pockets of it. And so what I've seen in my observations the last few days is that there are deer still coming out to these bean fields, but they're just moving through them very quickly. So they're transitioning through it, hitting a few little green leaves that are left, and then transitioning out of that pretty fast into the neighboring cornfields where that corn's starting to dry down as well. And so as the beans get less attractive, the corn's getting more attractive. And uh, that's what I've seen out here. Uh, if you want a deer activity report from Michigan, just based off of the handful of days I've been able to get out and watch some of these fields, I'm going to say it's been a, a five or six out here. I've, I've Maybe even a little higher. There's been a decent number of deer moving. It's been relatively cool in Michigan. Now the season's not open 
for regular folks, but the youth season was open this past weekend. And I know a, a number of people had success. And I think this cold spell has at least helped with that. Um, and I actually saw a really nice shooter buck last night, Spencer, show up on one of the properties I can hunt. He's a deer I'd seen last year a little bit and gotten pictures of. I thought he was a three-year-old and he kind of blew up this year. He's a really good looking six by five with some stickers on his brow tines. So uh, I'm excited to uh, hopefully see more of him come October. Yeah, and I'd agree with you there that what I saw in South Dakota, I'd, I'd put it like a six or a seven. It was just about finding the right food source for this time of year. Uh, you're going to hear similar things from the people we talked to this week. That includes Tony Peterson, who was just hunting in Wisconsin, Patrick Cutter in New Jersey, Keith Thompson in Montana, and then Drew Carroll in Georgia, um, and Drew was great to talk to because I don't know if you saw this, Mark, but he yeah. just killed the biggest whitetail of his life. Uh, and Drew always brings a super unique perspective because the guys from Seek One uh, hunt like the most urban whitetails in the country um, and sort of how their tactics are the same and different. Um, so Drew is an exciting one to end on this week. Yeah, that's awesome. Those guys, I don't know how they do it. They just it's nuts. Uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Lee. Is it Lee? Yeah, Lee just killed a slammer yesterday too, so they're on a tear. Any other big takeaway from your conversations with these guys that is worth mentioning at the top here that we should be focusing on as we listen? Man, it's sort of the end of the summer patterns. Uh, deer out of velvet. Bachelor groups are pretty much gone. Uh, so we're starting to see that transition. Um, and this is like sort of that in-between time of the summer pattern and what we'll talk about in a few weeks uh, as the October law. So it's sort of a, a tweener time and it's all about like picking your spots as we talked about last week, when to be aggressive um, and when to maybe sit back and do an observation hunt. Very good. All right. Well, I think my Michigan season opens in... 15, 14 days, I think. So we've got two more episodes till I'm hunting. Do you have any whitetail hunts uh, coming up? In about two weeks, I'm going to be going to Wyoming, um, and I have a tag there where the country is split between whitetail country and mule deer country, so that will be my next whitetail country on tap. Uh, and for the next few weeks, I'll just be trying to kill an elk with my bowl and really looking like a fool. <laughs> well... <laughs> You got that part pegged, Spencer, so I trust you'll do well. I <laughs> uh, kid. Um, all right, man. Well, I'm excited to hear from our guests today, so uh, maybe we should just roll the tape. All right. We'll talk to you next week, Mark. All right. And joining us on the line first is Tony Peterson from Wisconsin from the Hunt for Real podcast. Now, Tony, in Wisconsin, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say a solid seven or eight, just a lot of, a lot of deer moving around, you know, Wisconsin's opener this year was a little bit early. It was September 12th. So you're catching that, uh, summer bachelor group, just getting into velvet, just getting from velvet to hard antlered. And it was, uh, what I saw on opening weekend was incredible. It was, it was awesome deer activity. Hunting this last weekend, were you seeing a lot of bachelor groups still together in Wisconsin? Yeah. I saw, I had my daughters out, so I was taking a, you know, eight-year-old hunting, so it was a different kind of hunt for me, but 
we saw one bachelor group that had seven bucks in it, including legit, you know, 150 incher and, you know, several really nice bucks. And they were all hanging together. You aren't as a conservative of a hunter as most bow hunters. In mid-September, what are some aggressive tactics that you're using to try to kill a buck? If you if you want to talk about aggressive tactics, I, to me, it's just observe and move, observe and move. And so, you know, if you're catching them on that, you know, still hanging around the bachelor group type of thing, if you see them do something today, it's time to get in there tomorrow because that pattern is going to die and so I don't hang back and try to call them in or decoy them or something like that. I try to move right on top of where they want to be and try to kill them the next night. I know for most of your Western public land haunts that you're focused on water this time of year. Is that the same case in a state like Wisconsin or Minnesota? Nope. <laughs> uh, especially this year, you know, the temperatures have been pretty cool and really nice to hunt. And so it's been a food source thing for me. And those those bucks that I... I got on with my daughter this past weekend. They were they were on a soybean program and, you know, making their way to a distant alfalfa field. But this is, you know, that area, if you want to hunt water, you could spin in 360 degrees and find water everywhere. And so it's a, it's a matter of a early season food source for me in a state like Wisconsin. What does a morning setup look like for you this time of year? Uh, staging areas, trying to trying to find a good route to get in and catch them coming back from the food before they go to bed. Were you seeing any sign making in Wisconsin over the weekend? Yeah. I, uh, I've watched between North Dakota and Wisconsin. I've watched quite a few bucks make rubs. Um, I haven't seen any make scrapes yet. I saw a lot of sparring and bucks just trying out their, their antlers. It looked like they were just excited to not be in velvet anymore and they wanted to use them. We have Minnesota's opener coming up here this weekend. What are your setups going to look like for that first weekend of hunting? Bunch of stuff set up on field edges. Uh, it'll primar- primarily be alfalfa where I'm hunting, but I'm going to check some acorns just in case to see if there's any white oaks dropping. And if, it, if the temperature creeps up a little bit more than it's forecasted, there'll be some water playing into my plans, but mostly it'll be just a field edge. Try to get a, try to get a gimme slipping up on his summer pattern you know, this weekend and after that, that'll be dead. Tony, you kill a lot of deer in early to mid-September. What is it about this time of year that you like so much? Uh, the deer haven't been hunted super hard yet. You know, it's been nine months since they've been pressured, and they're pretty predictable. And so if you kind of learn to ignore the weather and what deer are supposed to do and get out there and hunt them, you see that they're, they're going to move if it's hot, cold, windy, rainy, whatever. They're going to be doing their thing. And so if you can kind of ignore what, you know, like the typical whitetail advice and just go hunt, you can run into a lot of deer and have some great hunts when really theoretically you probably shouldn't, but they're out there doing their thing. And it, it can be so productive to get out there. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Wisconsin? I would peg it right, maybe at a six. I'd maybe back it off just a hair and say, you know, the pressure is going to get to him a little bit, but I think it's going to stay pretty good with the, at least what the 10 day forecast looks like. All right, Tony, good luck with the rest of your season. Uh, listeners, you can read a lot of Tony's work over at the meateater.com and listen to his podcast, the hunt for real podcast. Thanks for joining me, Tony. Thank you. All right. And joining us on the line next is Patrick Cutter from red hand outdoors in New Jersey. Now, Patrick in New Jersey, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Hey Spencer. Um, I would say right now, um, you could probably call it a six, a six out of 10. 
Um, the season had just opened up on Saturday, so so you're still getting um, definitely still getting some deer that are on their on their summer patterns. Other than that, the temps have been pretty warm. Um, you know, high high in the 70s. Um, you know, low 80s. Um, but we do we do have a cold front coming up this weekend. I think uh, I think it's going to really get the deer the deer on their feet. So. You mentioned some deer still in their summer patterns. Does that mean you're still seeing bucks in bachelor groups? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely bucks that are still run, running together. Um, I, I, I went out, um, it's earn a buck here in New Jersey, so you have to shoot a doe first. Um, I was out Sunday uh, in one of those early zones, and uh, I saw I saw three bucks run together. Nothing big, but um, but they're definitely still, still, still running together for the most part. I guess some of your bigger ones are starting to break up a little bit, but. What are the relevant food sources that hunters in New Jersey should focus on this time of year? Um, I mean, in New Jersey, you're you're allowed to bait, so uh, I'd imagine a lot of guys are baiting. Um, I don't have any uh, spots right now that, that I'm baiting, um, but there is a lot of guys that bait, so that's a, that's a good a good uh, food source for them. Um, any obviously any ag um, is definitely hot early early in the year. Um, I, I used to hunt a farm that. You know, had a had a bunch of alfalfa on it, and that that was always good early. Um, the acorns, I think, are pretty pretty limited this year. Um, I haven't seen a white oak tree with with acorns on it at all, um, and the red oaks are pretty sparse as well. I haven't, I haven't seen many of them. I mean, the deer aren't going to hit them till later in the season, but I think as far as uh, acorns this year, it's going to be it's going to be pretty pretty limited. So anything you know, baiting or or uh, you know, any, any ag you can get, get to is going to be good. I know in New Jersey, you hunt some big woods and you hunt some ag country. How do those two different venues vary for mid September? Uh, I would definitely say the bucks, the bucks on in the ag country, they're definitely more, more patternable. The, the bucks in the big woods, I mean, uh, they're, they're tough to, to, to pin, you know, um, you know, under, under a certain oak tree or something like that. They, 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 they have a lot of more free range to move around and, and, um, it's definitely tougher, tougher there. So if you got, if you got a farm that you can hunt, that's, that's going to be your best bet come mid September, mid to late September. Are you seeing any sign making yet? Yeah. Uh, I, I was, uh, out today actually. Um, I was actually scouting a piece, uh, a piece of public in the big woods that's, in one of these early zones because I did, I, you know, I shot a doe the other day, so I have my buck tag now. Um, you know, most of my other properties are in a zone that doesn't open until October 3rd. So I figured out I'd, I'd go check out a piece and, uh, you know, it would give me something to do until, until my other zone opens. And I, I was surprised at the amount of rubs that I uh, saw today, the amount of fresh rubs. I probably saw 10 or 15 uh, within about a half mile span along this ridge, and, and I found a couple of good ones in there too. So I might be putting a, a couple of sits up there uh, over over the next week or two, and, and then see what happens. It's not uncommon to have a hurricane roll through that part of the country in the next month. How does that affect deer hunting when you have that sort of weather come through the area? Um, it could be good and bad. It depends on. Uh, usually, by the time it hits us, it, 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 it's not terrible. I mean, we we have gotten some bad ones over the years, but um, usually, if you could if you could plan for you know being in the woods at the end of that that front coming through or that hurricane coming through i mean you could catch some pretty good movement um you know if, if it comes through and it's really it's really harsh i mean that's obviously gonna 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 slow deer down for the duration of of the storm um but i i think it could be 
you know, I mean, as long as you're not right on the coast, like where I'm at, I'm not right on the coast. I'm kind of northwestern New Jersey, kind of in the mountains. So it, it doesn't really get pounded too bad. So it, it all depends on the severity of it. Um, it, could, it could go either way. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in New Jersey? I'm going to bump it up to a 7 or 8, I would say, this upcoming weekend. You know, we got our first temperatures that are, that are going to be hitting the mid to low 40s uh, over, overnight, highs of like, I think it's 60 to 63. Um, so that's a, I think that's our first real cold front of the, of the year. Um, I think, if, you know, guys are, have, have been playing it smart and, and they jump in the woods this weekend they could get a crack at you know the buck that they've been watching all summer so um i think it's i think it's going to jump up so probably like an eight i like your optimism patrick good luck with the rest of your season and thanks for joining me thank you spencer all right and joining us on the line next is keith thompson in montana from montana whitetails now keith in montana what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten uh no better than a four it's uh it's been pretty hot here kind of wacky weather we had a snowstorm about a week ago and then it was been in the 90s the last few days so the deer have uh not been moving too much everything's still really green too so we're struggling to get them to come out of the river bottoms into the alfalfa fields to feed they're seeing some deer but most of the older mature deer haven't been showing up much do you put any stock in what the moon is doing this time of year um i mean it can definitely have its effect i know there's a lot of different theories and opinions on that um i mean we basically are doing the same thing no matter what i mean we're hunting transition in the morning and food in the evenings most times so we kind of get the wind right and and hunt and see what happens you know you mentioned that everything is still green what does that mean for the food sources that you're focused on this time of year in montana uh it's been tough because like i said we we really rely on the alfalfa fields to as a you know a a drawing factor to get those bigger bucks out and with the river bottoms being so green or so much browse they they haven't having to show themselves in daylight so it's been making it a little bit more difficult are you seeing bachelor groups still together and you still seeing any bucks that have velvet um there's a there's actually we saw a young buck the other day that was still in velvet uh most of the mature deer seem to be out as far as the bachelor groups go, we're seeing some of the younger bucks grouped up yet, but the we, we killed two good whitetails this week. They were both by themselves. So, Tell me about the setups uh, when you had your clients kill those deer. The first buck we shot this week was sitting over an alfalfa field, and ironically, he was the first deer that came out that night, at, and it was like 5.30 in the afternoon. So not your, uh, you know, not, not usually typically what happens, but it worked. So, and the client that I had just had out the other night, we actually shot that deer while elk hunting. We were working through a creek bottom and just so happened to look up and saw the deer actually feeding down the creek bottom to us. And we set up and he walked right to us to 30 yards. So it was kind of a, a bonus kill, really. We weren't even targeting whitetails. It worked out that way. With the elk rut about to cut loose, does that change anything for your whitetail setups? Does it push deer out of certain areas or kick them off of certain food sources? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're definitely bouncing around. Um, we're we're lucky to have the, the, the river bottom where mostly it's just the whitetails. I mean, every once in a while we'll get some of the elk down into there. Um, generally we don't have too big of a problem as far as, you know, one hurting the other one because we're, we're kind of targeting them in different areas. 
in a place like southern Montana where there's big temperature swings this time of year, how does your strategy change when you get that cold front move in? It really helps them hit the food. I mean, some of the natural browse will die off if it gets below freezing. And, you know, that alfalfa really thrives for us then. I think the deer kind of go more or less into panic mode as, oh, crap, we need to eat, you know. And our fields will double in deer numbers as soon as we start. Once we get the first frost, our fields will definitely double in deer numbers. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Montana? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get much better. I mean, I saw the temperatures are supposed to cool down a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be enough to really get some of those older mature deer on their feet yet. So I'm waiting for a frost. That's for sure. All right, Keith, good luck to you and your clients. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right. And joining us on the line next is Drew Carroll from Seek One in Georgia. Now, Drew in Georgia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Well, I'd have to say it's up there close to a 10 in that eight to 10 range based on the fact that I just killed one yesterday. Um, we got, we got four guys on the team that have been hunting the last three days season open September 12th. And we've all been seeing a lot of buck activity. Um, obviously very dependent on where you're hunting. Uh, but we actually had somewhat of a cool front hit right before the season started. So that's definitely gotten the bucks up on their feet more than they had been kind of leading up to the season. Now, I saw on Instagram some teasers that you just killed your biggest whitetail ever. Tell us a little bit about that hunt and about that deer. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's actually a spot that I've had for probably six years. Um, killed a buck there maybe five years ago uh, in, the, in the same general area. But this particular spot I haven't hunted until my first time was yesterday. So essentially, I've just been running uh, feeders and trail cams on it this whole time just kind of waiting for the right opportunity and sure enough I, I had a buck there that basically grew out on that lot all summer long um and here in atlanta like we're, we're hunting these really small blocks and it is a total crapshoot whether or not that buck will stick around once he sheds his velvet um most of the time they won't they typically start roaming like crazy and luckily this buck stuck around he uh there's awesome bedding on the property uh, food and water super close so he was extremely consistent all summer and like leading up into the season um crazy thing is the lot most of the lot was torn down because they're building a house on it it was torn down like two weeks before the season started so i thought it was going to completely screw it up uh it did cause all the deer to go nocturnal um but construction stopped for a couple days uh I guess two days ago and when it, when it stopped and all that activity stopped, this deer started showing back up in daylight. And so I got in there already had my stand hung, uh, and shot him yesterday evening. So, um, crazy track, uh, track job on this one. I, the shot was about as perfect as I could have put it. And he, we tracked him almost till midnight last night, ended up backing out and found him this morning. So I'm literally covered in blood talking to you guys right now. <laughs> we just finished up getting processed and everything so i like that i like that now hunting in an urban environment how are the food sources that you're focused on different than people are hunting more traditional venues uh so i don't think it's different for the most part this time of year i mean white oak uh white oaks are the key and we're kind of seeing them just start to drop right now it's, it's very dependent on 
what area you're in. So like I've, I've got areas where they're not dropping yet. They're about to, and then other areas where they're just dumping. Um, this particular spot where I just killed this buck, they are not dropping yet, which honestly played to my advantage because uh, we're allowed to bait in Georgia now. Um, so I just kept a feeder running that had been there all summer long. Uh, and he was staying consistent on it because that was really the only solid food source they have. Um, now, if the acorns are dropping, that's when these deer get extremely sporadic. You got to cover a lot of ground. Um, that's why we just soak up as much hunting permission as possible, run as many cameras as possible. So, yeah, the, the white oaks right now is where you need to be. The bucks will walk over a bait pile to go to white oaks, and that's really going to continue on into the rut. You mentioned that the property you killed this deer on had water. How much of a factor is water in your mid-September haunts in Atlanta? It's really not a huge factor just because there's so much water here. Um, for people that haven't spent much time in the suburbs of Atlanta, um, it's not flat. Like It's very hilly, a lot of ravines, tons of creek bottoms. So these deer do not have to travel far to get water. Um almost all of our spots have some sort of creek running through it. So we don't really, we don't really target that. But the thing is like in the suburbs, the water is where the woods are because that's where you can't develop. Um, so these little fingers of woods are always following creek bottoms, floodplains and, and river bottoms and things like that. So it's, it's pretty much always close by. You guys were hunting Tennessee's opener back in August. How have you seen deer patterns shift over the last three weeks based on what you saw then and what you're seeing now? Yeah, it's totally, totally different. I mean, those bucks were still under velvet, still basher grouped up, full basher groups. Um, I was hunting a, a big bean field in, in Nashville. And so that's a completely different scenario than what we're doing here in, in the Atlanta suburbs. Um, the, the deer that Lee killed in Nashville was more of a suburban deer, your typical suburban stuff. Um, and it's the same deal. I mean, they were, that deer was, I think, focusing on just like a green food source. Um, I think it was like a clover patch down in this little meadow. And so essentially what these bucks do is they, they have a range of maybe a mile that time of year. And they're just hopping around to other, like a bunch of different little pockets of woods and you just have to catch them at the right time at the right place. So, um, you know, they're, they're staging, they're waiting for those acorns to drop up there as well, but they're still still in their group, so they're they're more patternable that time of year. But obviously, as soon as that velvet comes off, things completely change. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Georgia? I think it's going to be, this next week, I think it's going to be a 10. I mean, we have this tropical storm coming in. The weather is looking pretty nasty out right now, so uh, it's been... Last week, it was 94 degrees. It's like 67 right now. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of bucks drop this this week. If people actually get out there and the breaks in this rain, that's when these deer are going to be moving the most. So I think some big bucks are going to slip up here soon. All right, Drew, well, congrats again on the awesome deer. Looking forward to seeing photos and videos of the hunt. Thanks for joining me. Yes, sir. Thank you. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Tony, Patrick, Keith, and Drew for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter at Meat Eater, Whitetail Weekly. You're going to get a lot of fresh content there from people like me, Mark, Tony Peterson, Patrick Durkin, and others. 
Also, today dropped the new season of Meat Eater on Netflix. I think you guys are going to love season nine. It's the best one yet, and it's I'm going to spend my time until I talk to you guys again next week. Until then, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.